Max Anstey took the win. All hail to the new king! Welcome to the MX Vice SMX Review Show with myself, Ben Rumbold, and my colleague Ed Stratman. Particularly happy uh, English person here today after the SMX, um, after the Supercross result in the 250s. Um, sorry, Ed, I know that your your boy didn't win for one week, but uh, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's all right, mate. We'll uh, we'll let you have that one. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks for having us on again. No, absolutely, yeah. Thanks for standing in, yeah. Brad, uh, we are still struggling there with new family, so, um, yeah, I'm sure he'll be joining us again soon. But, yeah, in the meantime, Ed Stratman, MX Vice Editor and um, Blitzer of all things internet, has been uh, up and helping us out. So, uh, yeah, you are watching, you are listening to the SMX Review Show, so thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have got uh, a very happy and uh, good guest to uh, speak to you tonight with. So, so without further ado, just make sure we do um, thank our sponsors. So, this is brought to you by AS3 Performance, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts from hardwearing protection parts including skid plates and radiator braces to performance cooling parts from silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits as3 also have a huge range of brake clutch and gear levers all with different features and adjustability check them out online at www.as3performance.co.uk and we're also supported by kawasaki motors uk uh, who are pleased to announce the arrival of the new klx 140r range the easy-to-ride KLX140R lineup offers a 144cc four-stroke engine, plush suspension and push-button electric start, making for great trailblazers. The KLX140R machines come in three different sizes, ranging from Junior's first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. The highly regarded KLX140R range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment in 2023. Contact your local off-road dealership for more information. And also thanks to Golf Race Fuels uh, across sports cars, single-seaters, motorcycle racing, and further afield, the golf brand is associated with winning whatever the discipline. And, of course, Even Strokes. So, yeah, evenstrokes.com, the uh, retail wing, if you like, of MX Vice, who support everything we do. And uh, Brad is not here today, but you can still use his code to get 10% off, and that's Brad Wheeler 10 Brad Wheeler 10 uh, to get your 10% off. Okay, so we'll bring in our star guest rider for this week's SMX Review Show. A happy welcome to Mr. Kevin Morans. How are you, sir? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, yes. Good to see somebody smiling after your career best 450 Supercross result. How's it all going? Oh, it's going good. I was just, you know, happy that the bike semi stayed together. And hopefully we don't have too much work to do, but we're going to have, we're pretty much going to tear the whole thing apart besides the engine, but it's going to have to be torn down before Nashville. But other than that, we're doing good. <laughs> obviously in the uk welcome we're used to a few uh, mud races ourselves so are you doing what we used to do which is finding like dirt in the belly button dirt behind the ears all that sort of stuff <laughs> Everywhere. I, I i literally after the races instead of like just trying to get on gear and like i, I just went and had them power wash me like from head to toe <laughs> boots mud races, gear jersey like everything was just caked and i just had them power wash me before i got undressed <laughs> Yeah, I think absolutely is the best way to go. That's uh, yeah. I think there is a, a picture of me somewhere getting power washed after a beach race. That's uh, yeah. It's uh, it's good fun. Good fun. Yeah, it's always been good. The um, biggest thing for me is just the vision through the race was the biggest thing. So obviously the goggles. Um, I wear Oakley goggles and I had uh, the roll offs. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming that a majority of everybody on that line had enough experience to try to go with the roll offs. And yeah. like I even know Kenny. Um, 
he ended up stripping his goggles. I remember seeing all this stuff about that because he had like super red eyes. He got some stuff in his eyes. Well, I wear contacts while I race. So wow. it makes it even that much more like a necessity to have goggles. Because if I, I've stripped them off before in like outdoor mud, mud races, that was my first legitimate supercross mud race uh, ever. So I was actually, I mean, solid result for that. Absolutely. But uh, um, yeah, the biggest thing was just keeping those on. They worked great. And I honestly, I have to contribute a large majority of my position based off of just having good vision. Yeah, it was a really impressive ride, mate. And um, did, did you find the delay before the race? Um, how did you handle that? Um, obviously, it was pretty chaotic and no one knew what was going on. And you're probably yeah. just waiting for news. And then come the race, what was your mindset like going into it? Did you still feel really good and ready to go? Or were you a bit like apprehensive because the track was pretty savage? Yeah, you had no idea. So the biggest thing is as soon as I got done with the heat, my heat race was pretty solid, got off to a good jump and, um, you know, got shuffled back from like fourth or fifth to seventh and then i knew i had i thought i had like three guys behind me so i knew that i was gonna have to keep pushing because i didn't want to get dropped back to 10th and be the last one or the first one not to transfer so i kind of picked it back up and got a little gap on because dino and the one of the hill brothers i don't know who it was which one it was but they were kind of coming up on me so i picked it back up got a little gap on them which i didn't know it was them at the time so like got the gap on whoever i thought was behind me came across the finish line looked back and i'm like bro that's dino and hill like i just kind of gap them out a little bit what so um i don't know if they're playing cat mass with each other and that's why i kind of gapped them but it was good to kind of get my flow back in the middle of that heat instead of feeling that lull and then after the heat i knew i was just stoked that i didn't have to go to lcq because i knew rain was coming that was my biggest concern through the heat is like get through the heat because if you have to go to a model lcq lcq like you have no idea what's going to happen because we knew rain was going to come in i did not know it was coming in like that though so as soon as the lcq was over and they were lining up the 250 main event and then all of a sudden we got word that they're sending all the 250 bat riders back out to their pits to everybody get in the trailer. And then all their phones started ringing, um, giving us like warnings, like get out of the stadium kind of deal, find shelter. I'm like, bro, what is going on? Like, cause they never, never saw that before. So they evacuated the stadium more or less, or at least got everybody indoors out of the, where the seats were. And, uh, I was just sitting in a trailer with Tristan Lane and Justin Starling. We had all three of our bikes and just somebody's some somebody's random empty trailer, thank goodness, because all of our stuff was just packed into our rig, so we didn't have any room to get the bike in because all the extra stuff and tents and everything was all put away because we knew the storm was coming in. So we're just chilling in there, and we're all going through, like, the situations. We're like, like are we i honestly didn't think we we're gonna race because i was told two different things you can't race uh every time you see lightning obviously i know it's like within a certain range i don't know how they tell that but every time you see lightning you gotta wait another 30 minutes because you have to have 30 minutes without lightning before you can start more or less is what i was told so wow. then i was told it's not like we're gonna stay up until 2 a.m like the stadium feld would stay up probably as long as they could just to get it done but I'm pretty sure the stadium cuts it off at midnight. So we're sitting there at 10, 1030, and we're like, I don't know if we're going to actually get this done. So then we're just talking about what's the situation there. Like, do we do it at a different round? Do we then have to qualify for the main event again? I was like, better not, because I just qualified straight into the main. So we were just talking about, like, what are they going to do? Like, Salt Lake, we're just going to have a double header, like two main events kind of deal. Whoever already just qualified gets to ra- – like, we didn't know it was going to go down. Yeah, very weird. Nowhere we got, you know, the notification, 20 minutes – 250 races starting we're like whoa okay so we're gonna see how this turns out i roll up there to watch like i get up there about halfway through their moto and 
they're hitting everything pretty much like triple finish line. I'm like, well, it doesn't look too that bad. Like they got it prepped. Obviously two fifties were lining up and then they yanked everybody off the line. So the track was pretty good and it just got rained on. Mm. So I was like, Oh, it's going to be pretty hard. And cause the track was already pretty hard at least corner wise, like jumps, it was kind of soft. And so, yeah, just going into it, I was like, oh, they're jumping everything. But then by the end of the moto, they're rolling everything. And I'm like, thanks guys. You guys had a good track. We're going to get an absolutely terrible track. So going up onto the line, you know, for me, I knew the biggest, like I told myself on the line, I was like, whatever happens, happens kind of deal. But I told myself, I was like, take what comes to you. Don't force anything. If you force anything, that's when you make a mistake. That's when you go down. And if you go down early, pretty much game over you can at least get up front like get because obviously i'm known for getting good starts if you can get one of your good starts jump out there and just run the pace or run like at least solid for the first five laps people spread out so then you can relax yeah. and i ended up getting a pretty all right i got a good jump uh like i out jumped coop and then i kind of cut over on coop he went behind me and then i just filtered in on the inside and it came out like sixth on the first lap so i was like super stoked with it and kind of got shuffled back, but like we're four guys. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm like 10, 12, 15th. I don't know, somewhere around in there. And it was just riding my ride. And then like seven laps later or whatever, like my my mechanic didn't have a pit board out because it was raining. Like you can't write anything down. And then I see his, <laughs> his hands and he's going like this. Like he's like doing like single digit. I'm like, bro, what? We're in the like top 10 right now? I was expecting, you know, like, oh, you got like 14, like 10, 4, 10, 4. You got seven. You're seven. I'm like, let's go. So, yeah, at that point, I just knew, you know, hit as many jumps as you can because that's what's going to be the separator is rolling jumps versus just doubling. Like, you don't have to do tricks. You don't have to do anything crazy. Just double everything on a consistent basis. And that's what we did. And we came home with seven. How comfortable did you actually feel out there? Did you feel like you were on the edge or was it hard to find that limit? No, I I think I got pretty lucky because obviously my vision was pretty good. But second off, I started up there pretty far. So like the dudes in front of me, it's not like I was on somebody's rear tire trying to get around them. So like I wasn't getting sprayed. Like I was just able to kind of focus on myself. So that honestly played major in in favor for me uh just being able to kind of breathe relax and hit my lines kind of deal like obviously a lot of people were like oh dude like on that last lap like like we're taking it in like i was like no dude because i know i had benny on me and benny and i are buddies and we always joke and he always tells me that i will never beat him in a supercross <laughs> at least straight up so like i'm sitting there like i have this bro like i cannot mess this up because i have to beat him plus i knew i was at worst because so on that last lap second to last lap um I didn't know who was winning, but I knew that we had obviously gotten lapped once and then Barsha was coming up to lap us a second time. And I saw that he was like coming up to lap Benny, but I don't think he was going to be able to get him because he was, Benny was at the end of the whoops when I was going down the straightaway coming before the finish line. And I saw like Barsha coming into the whoops. So I was like, okay. And the white flag was the next thing up. So I knew that Barsha was right there. He has lapped up to Benny. So worst I'm going to do is eighth at this point on this last lap. But <laughs> I knew that I wanted to be Benny. So like I couldn't enjoy the lap at all because I was like, and I didn't know this at the time because I almost weeded myself in the last lap in the whoops. So I was like rolling them going from left to right, just trying to stay in front of him. And little did I know, he kind of just like gave up on the last lap and rolled some jumps and I was even farther out in front of him. So I didn't have to stress. So I wish I could have enjoyed it. But, you know, after the fact and seeing my name in seven, up on the big boy like that was that was a pretty cool feeling yeah you got to enjoy that moment for sure then so yeah i mean um we obviously with uh with the, our part of the world here we get the mud races quite a lot and i think we saw that it was kind of the situation where because it kept raining 
it actually was better than if it had stopped 100%. because it just pushed off the bike. I mean, do you go, I mean, you're, you're from, is it Kansas originally, Kansas State? Yeah, Kansas. Is that right? Yep. Um, so, I mean, I, I must be, uh, I confess my ignorance to, um, you know, what your weather situation is like there, but do you see many wet, wet races? I mean, how many do you think you've ridden? I know you said it was your first wet supercross, but like, how many have you actually, like real bad ones have you ridden? Not a ton. I would say maybe like five in my lifetime, to be honest. Like there's, wow. there's some rainy ones there's like muddy and at the beginning of days like if you have rain the night before and you have to race that next day like it's not super great but like downpouring mud full-on mudder not very many couple outdoors like pro motocrosses that i've raced nothing really through amateurs that was anything significant a couple ra- uh, races at loretta's that were kind of gnarly but nothing like that where you have to in outdoors it's more of a balancing act you know just be smart get through the lines and everything like that like supercross you have doubles and triples and rhythms like you have to be on point and if you have slippery messy stuff and you got people trying to hit the jumps around you you're getting shuffled back so like there's so much more uh risk versus reward in supercross a supercross mud race but in kansas now we don't really have a whole lot like the best way to explain kansas is pretty bitter cold in the in the winter but we don't really get much snow so it's just miserable uh and then (laughs) summer wise like it's super hot and humid in in summer you know spring we get some rain here and there but it's it's not it's nothing really crazy like i wouldn't say it's like overseas or you know obviously anything like we did this weekend so you've done five mud races in your life that's about half a season for us As, uh, as Jack Chambers uh, enjoyed on the on the weekend, here the, the second race was a better, but yeah, yeah that, that got cut short for, uh, for for reasons that we've uh, spoke about already. But uh, yeah, so the title race now is getting a little bit close. You've got um, you're you're on a KTM, you're on an orange bike. Are you getting word from KTM not to mess up with Web or oh, mess anyone else? Or, oh. Yeah, is there are there are they getting words about that uh, already? Kind of a little bit. So like. Uh, uh, I mean, not really. I mean, uh, the guys aren't really okay. going to come up and tell me anything. But, like, they, uh, Carlos, which is uh, Webb's mechanic, kind of joked with me at, at Atlanta because it was uh, the, the round before that was Houston, where obviously I destroyed myself in the third main event start that everybody was freaking out about. Uh, yeah. So, Carlos made a joke. He's like, hey, because. Webb was right on the outside of me. And so I lined up in between Kenny and Webb and Webb's mechanic was like, Hey, just make sure, you know, you go that way, not this way. (laughs) And uh, so I thought that was funny. And it was funny too, because as soon as we took off the start, Coop and I locked elbows and I got the start. Like I kind of screwed him up or whatever, but yeah, we locked elbows immediately and I got the start and I ended up starting fifth in that moto or in that main Atlanta. So what can I say? You know, I'm a good starter. I'm going to continue to get good starts. I'm not going to let those guys tell me to back down kind of deal. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's been cool <laughs> to see you getting those good starts, mate. And now obviously there's been a couple of wild times and it's, um, you know, people going on about the big bore and all that sort of stuff with uh, cut, you know, throwing down your bike and seeing what's going on, mate. But um, Dude, I would love... What's your secret? Oh, I would love for AMA to <laughs> rip down my bike. Like, I I would laugh so hard. I'd get that on video and just blow that up because in the part, they'd be like, shit boys he's on a stock ktm like you know what i mean yeah <laughs> so i invite it as long as they rebuild it when they put it back together let's do it <laughs> yeah mate yeah what what what's um what do you credit to your starts i'm um, just the, your work in training um, obviously your technique um is it so, the mindset sort of a combination of all the things fun fact um i don't practice starts at all i did one start actually two starts total before the supercross season started they felt perfect and i'm like okay i'm done so 
I, I literally, I don't practice starts. I think it's obviously it's a lot mental. I've always kind of been a good starter. Starts are, let's just say 80% mental, kind of like how Coop said um, in a different podcast or whatever, but it is, it's a lot of mental, just believing yourself, kind of knowing that you're capable. And I know clearly, cause I've proved it time and time again that I'm capable. Uh, so it's that. And yeah, I mean, I, I have stock, stock motor. Don't do anything inside the motor besides put in a recluse clutch, FMF pipe and BP fuel. So I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, I even have the, the clutch set on the stock setting of the clutch. So like the KTM has three different settings. I'm on the stock setting. So I don't, I don't change anything pretty much. I just go, <laughs> I don't use, okay. I don't use traction control. It's just all feel. That's probably the best advert for KTM yet, isn't it? <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm trying to tell them. Like, I'm like, because I've tried getting support through them. It's just really tough. They don't, I don't, they don't really like to, you know, support in a significant way outside of their factory team. And, but I was even like, I'm like, you guys change a lot of stuff on your bike. I was like, I'm the spitting image of your whole brand, which is ready to race. Like your bike is ready to race. Like, bro, mine's ready to race. And they, they don't seem to, uh, they, won't, they don't seem to bite on it. Ah, it's a damn shame. I know. <laughs> Yeah, mate, and, and when when you're sort of racing those guys on the line and and coming off and in and, and that mud race just to get back to did you see much of Barsha and kenny and and those guys were you sort of um amazed at some of the stuff they were hitting and how fast they were going were you just or were you just focusing on yourself because like they were doing some pretty crazy things especially Barsha, like he was letting it hang out pretty hard wasn't he yeah like i mean i don't know exactly what they were doing on top of what i was doing i did see kenny triple onto the tabletop uh in the rhythm right in front of me and i'm like this dude's got a death wish bro like, uh-uh. no shot which it was probably good i'll say that because they probably fixed it and nobody did that in the 250 class they were all jumping over it so right. but, so yeah when i saw that i was like yep nope not doing that um dino got around me at the beginning so i was like sixth or seventh at that point and dino got around me and he went wide before the finish and I was going inside before the finish because I was rolling it. He went up top and I'm like, no, why this dude's going up top? So I follow him right into it and he turns and just yeets the finish line and I'm like, screw it. And I yeet the finish line. And so that, that kind of helped me because I think, I, I mean, I hit it maybe four or five times. Um, so maybe like a third of the time that we we're racing because we only got, I don't know, 10, 15 laps. And uh, that was a good separator. Um, I hit it a couple laps after that until I came up almost a little short and then went off to the side and then cross-rotted off the next little double. I'm like, I'm going to roll that from here on out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those dudes were probably sending it. But, yeah, it's just, you got to do it what feels comfortable. You can't force a race like that. Yeah, you got to look at the, the big picture, obviously, and manage the the best you can because it's not like every race is going to be like that. And just to, to touch back on your program, obviously, you're a busy man. You do a lot of the bike work. You do a lot of the marketing. You do the vlogs. You've got merch. And you do all your training on and off the bike. Like, it, it's a lot you do, mate. So you definitely deserve a lot of respect for um, hustling the way you do and getting all your sponsors. And, um, yeah, just tell us a bit about your program. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so I do all my own bike work, at least on Fridays, getting ready for the races. So Chris, uh, which is the guy that you see in the vlog as well, take me to the line. Um, it was actually funny because he made me a bet or he made me a deal more or less. He's like going up to the line. He's like, and we knew it was going to be a mutter. It was going to be a, a crapshoot. Um, and he's like, if you get top 10, I'll wash your bike. If you don't get top 10, you have to wash your bike. Cause usually I have to wash my bike after the races. And I was like, all right, sounds good. I mean, at this point I didn't know what I was getting into in the main event. But then when I came off, like I expected him to be absolutely stoked. 
I could tell, like, now that I look back on it, he was not that stoked because he even said, because he has that little mechanic GoPro, he's like, during the race when I'm sitting in seventh, he's like, I'm going to eat my words right now because as much as I love that he's doing good, I'm going to have to wash this bike and it is destroyed. <laughs> so, yeah, that was good. So he washed my bike after uh, the races. So the whole Next Level team, Chris, appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, so I obviously there is a lot that I do and I kind of pride myself on that more or less because – you know, I'll just kind of say, I won't say out of all the privateers, but the main event guys or whatever, uh, I pride myself on kind of doing the most outside of just racing. Uh, so there's a lot of things that take me away from focusing on my race craft, on training, on practicing to get better. Obviously, I think we've pretty much proved it from A1 to now, like we get consistently a little bit better every single race. So, but the things that take me away from that is obviously all the stuff that I'm building because since Give you a real quick backstory on me. Uh, went through public high school, didn't get, you know, to be homeschooled, go train, do all these nationals or anything like that. Grew up in more of a normal family, which I love my family, my mom, my dad, my brother Colton. We had a super good family setting, but parents were not super well off, like a lot of kids in our industry. Um, both had normal jobs, didn't own their own businesses, so couldn't get a lot of time off. Plus, Colton and I went through school, high school, and everything like that full time. So, you know, like I wrestled through middle school, wrestled freshman year, played football all the way through middle school, and then I played uh, like varsity football all the way through high school. So that was more of our focus, and then we did only Loretta's. So I would do one regional or one qualifier, one regional, and if that regional went well, we went to Loretta's. Thankfully, I was, and that's why I kind of pride myself on as being a pretty consistent rider, but every time we only did one regional, which was every year, uh, we made it happen. So I went to Loretta's, I think, seven, eight times, had five top ten, and consistently just always got looked over because I was like in that seven to ten spot, so I was never in the podium or anything like that. But that's all we had time for and the money for to do throughout amateurs because obviously this the focus was on school and football and all that stuff. So we got to do Loretta's. That was our big event. So that being said, as soon as I graduated high school, 17, um, that was when my parents were helping my brother go to college. So they kind of sat me down and they're like, you know, if you want to continue doing this, obviously you're doing good going through Loretta's, getting top 10 in the A class and everything like that. If you want to continue this, like you're going to have to get kind of creative and go try to find it fund it yourself more or less. So that's just kind of where I started. You know, I've kind of already explained this in, in other stories as well, but you just got to start somewhere, went around business to business, kind of asking for money, which is kind of where a lot of riders are and got turned down a lot. So then the next year came back and just kind of improvising the program, creating more value for sponsors instead of just asking somebody for money. It's kind of more of a two-way street for sponsorship. That's what a lot of kids kind of really need to understand. So the more value I was able to create, the cool packages, got more sponsors on board, and that's just kind of how I built into, then I went pro. Um, and I also went through online college to get my associate's degree, so I was happy about doing that. And then ever since I did that, it's just been grinding on, on the program. So we've got helmet wraps that we do it every single round. So it's like a different company that we wrap the helmet in. Uh, so we have two different packages, whether it's the basic package, which is we do the marketing, sign the visor, uh, get a little vlog shout out, race in it. We'll sign the visor, send it to your VIP package, which is we'll do all of that stuff, but you get to keep the whole helmet. Um, so I do that, do some bike branding, which is a different logo for a different company. It's kind of like the helmet wrap of the bike, I guess. So different each round so those kinds of things just help us pay for you know travel expenses fuel parts entry fees etc then we have the moran's mafia which is a patreon account so that's kind of a creative way of creating a monthly income for me 
just to help continue yeah. the vlog. So we obviously have the YouTube channel, the vlog. It's what a lot of fans are starting to get behind. And it's been pretty cool because Patreon is a way for fans or somebody that doesn't technically have a logo or a business that they want to support. Just head on over to KevinMorans.com, hit the Morans Mafia tab, and it'll kind of show you how to join in there. So it's as low as $5 a month to, you know, $500 a month, I think is our top tier. And, uh, you know, certain tiers get you different benefits. You get entries for the YCF pit bike, you get entries for a signed pair of goggles, Oakley goggles, signed at Cherubi's front number plate every week, signed jerseys, all sorts of great stuff. You can get your first and last name on my race bike. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of different avenues on top of the training, the bike work, the social media, everything that I keep up with that there's a lot that I have to do just to go racing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of privateers, especially in in in, uh, in the UK, certainly are having to work in the week and do like sort of day jobs like that. It sounds like you've you've made that your day job, haven't you? You've made being a privateer your day job. Oh, you're constantly not just the training and all that, but yeah, raising all of that as well is is it is itself a full time occupation. Oh, yeah, it's more than full time. Like, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of free time. <laughs> let's put it that way, uh, just because you know if you're not. I mean, training and, and riding and bike work takes so much time just in yourself. And then you got to try to recover. So, like, that's the biggest benefit I think I could have from a team is obviously the personnel, the information, testing, suspension guys, stuff like that to obviously make the bike better. But just having somebody do my bike work. So, you know, after I go ride, I get to go home and, like, relax or, like, try to recover instead of immediately just working more to make the bike rideable for the next day kind of deal. On top of all the social media and the, you know, there's always emails you have to send. I got to figure out my helmet wrap for this round. Got to figure out the bike rating for that round. You got to do something for the Rans Mafia. Got to create content for both my normal page and the Rans Mafia. And just going down the list, you know, finding the hotel, the flight, you yeah. know, entry fee. That, that actually reminds me, I need to go get my entry fees for the next couple of rounds right after this. But like, there's just so much that goes on, dude, that it, it just, it's never ending. I'll bet. Yeah, absolutely stunning. Incredible. Yeah. Fair play to you for doing that. No. That's just absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And that's Top that's the main reason why I think like things continue to work out is because I love the business side of it as much as I do the moto side of it. So like that's what it keeps it fun for me because I like I love creating little packages, little what can I do for this company to like I just uh, partnered with Archer Connection um, not too long ago, it was two rounds ago. So I did some advertising, some logos and some other stuff for them and trade for like obviously uh, a little bit of funding towards the program, but uh, oh, man, what is it? It's a, I know it's a Hoyt Torx XT compound bow. So like I got a full bow hunting bow set up out of that package and everything like that. So like creating cool little packages that then can further me with products or anything that I maybe want after racing is kind of where my mindset is at. So it's fun for me to do the business side and the racing side. So that's why it, it continues to work. And that's why I do put a lot of effort into it, but it doesn't feel like work, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're definitely, yeah, absolutely. definitely passionate about it, mate. We definitely uh, could tell you really want to succeed and want to do what you do, mate. It's cool to see you making the most out of it and, and hustling so hard to make it happen. And um, how, how have you, it's probably, it's a question you probably get a little bit, but um, your program's probably maybe more desirable to you than being on a smaller team at the moment, I would say, because you have that control, maybe some more freedom, flexibility, would you say? Yeah, hundred percent. Like that's what I've even told other people in the past. And I've, you know, talked with some, some, I like, so the best way for me to explain it and dumb it down for like, uh, you know, maybe somebody that's not into the industry is the way that I look at it is you have privateer, which is a majority of us. You have the B level ride, which is a supported ride. It's not a factory ride, but like, you know, you, 
bikes. So that's like you're supported. You got a mechanic. You're not really getting paid on top of it. And you got the full factory, right? So that's like you're obviously getting a salary. You're one of the big dogs. You have all the team, everything there, everything set up for you. Uh, and you're making good money on top of it. So, yeah, I don't really have, you know, unless there was a team that was fully okay with me doing the Patreon, the helmet wraps, and every, all the cool things that I do to consistently make money every weekend. If a team was cool with all that and able to incorporate that within their program, cool beans, I'm all about it. Because then they ride a mechanic, help me with travel, makes my life easier. But until something legitimate comes by, uh, comes around like that, then, yeah, it doesn't really make sense for me to get off the program that I'm on until a legitimate factory fill-in or offer comes about yeah mate it's, it's amazing so which must be um pretty rewarding to see all your hard work paying off as well and how do you um you're on the 22 bike i believe i've heard you say um is there any plans to move to the 2023 20, at some point or you're just happy doing what we do what you're doing with the the stock ready to race edition <laughs> yeah pretty much man i don't i don't know i've i've explained to people that it's nerve-wracking for me to go to the 23 like i don't get paid by ktm i don't get anything crazy from them yeah i get their normal contingency i don't get any double contingency or anything crazy like that so i'm getting what every other person who just goes out and buys a ktm can get and it's tough for me to make the jump to the 23 without any support because that bike is, I mean, I don't know if Coop was just off last year, if everybody was just off, but that is the same bike that they had last year and they struggled last year. They figured something out this year that they're obviously doing better. However, what is that that they figured out? Because if Kevin goes and buys that bike, it's going to be the same one that they had the year previous that they were all struggling on. So without the knowledge or at least KTM being like, hey, Kev, you know what? You're doing good. You're one of the only other KTMs that is performing in the main events. You got a pretty good little following that you're starting to build. Like, hey, we'll get you set up on the KTMs, the 23s, and we'll give you a little bit of information. We're not going to give you a bunch of factory parts or anything like that, but we'll, we'll set you guys in the right direction on how to set up the 23 to make it a little bit more comfortable for majority of the riders. Until they do that, it's going to be really tough for me to jump off the 22 because I feel comfortable with the 22. I do good on the 22. I have suspension and parts for the 22. If I move to the 23, I'm changing a lot of parts. I have to get different rear shocks. I have to change a bunch of stuff. And parts are hard to get right now. So it's like, for me, man, I'm staying on the 22. I don't know what I'm going to do this coming year. I might still stay on the 22, but I don't know. You know, at some point, I would hope that, you know, somebody from KTM kind of notices and, and you know, whether they want to help me out with just a couple bikes and some parts, that's really all I, I need to make the move. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, two other brands, you know, with, with very similar sort of setups, yeah. haven't you? So they might well find home for you amongst one of those, even if it's not uh, strictly with the Red Bull uh, badge on the on the, on the front yeah, of it. Yeah, so. exactly. That's kind of what, I mean, because gas gas is technically the 23s are the 22 KTM kind of deal. So that, that might end up being a move for me. I don't know. I got to find some, uh, cause those are going to be hard to find just like one that's either new or low hours. So we'll see. I don't know yet. Oh, amazing. I mean, you got to think a team like, a, like I say, like a, that sort of middle league team, if you like, that they're going to have, certainly have value with you being on board and bringing that sort of level of, uh, even just the level of sponsorship and the interest, uh, you know, like if you're in a team, then yeah, surely you'd be, you'd have that as added to an incentive for them to hire you possibly sure yeah all the fans that come by the vlog that we do like that's that's what you know some people don't really realize um i've had struggles with you know teams in the past that all i don't want to say all but most racers race the bike they do their instagram posts and everything like that right but the youtube stuff is 
it, it's allowed me to grow a lot more, a lot faster because there's so many kids that pay attention to it and people that just want to watch it if they don't watch all of Supercross. And that's all like extra effort that I put in. So it's not like like some teams have kind of you know told me that I'm doing too much or not enough for them within the vlogs and everything. I'm like, I don't have to do the vlogs at all. Like the vlog is completely extra for what I have yeah. going on kind of deal. Like you have other riders that are just doing the normal races and posting and whatnot. I'm doing this extra stuff and you're not happy with how I'm doing the extra stuff kind of deal. You know what I mean? So yeah. 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 So, but it, I mean, it is what it is. It's been cool. And like that, that is a value that I bring to a team is the, the fan interaction, the, the, recognition that people come by to the pit to see me which then sees the logos on the rig that that that's getting to their sponsors and more growth and stuff for their sponsors so it's finding value yeah, in that as well yeah it's it's pretty amazing setup mate like to, to get to where you are in the races the results have been excellent to, to couple with all that work you do and is there any interest to like maybe go to a Kawasaki that has that bit more support program or is that crossed your mind? I've thought about it, but I, so I raced Kawasaki in 2018, uh, 2018, 2019, I think. And so that was before they made the move to the new model. They have a different model now, but back then I did not like it as much as the KTM. So without legitimate support, um, and that's what I've even told other people in the past is I'll sacrifice contingency to be happy with my bike. Like I want to be comfortable. I want to be, you know, confident because obviously the lot of the result comes from confidence over changing to a different bike, not being as comfortable, not being as confident just for a couple extra hundred dollars in contingency kind of deal like that. That's not the move for me. Yeah, I mean, pretty, obviously yeah. over 17 rounds, it's going to add up to thousands and probably tens of thousands of dollars in difference in contingency, but still, per round it doesn't do enough for me to to justify it yeah obviously all the bikes are really good they're, they're excellent stock like you're showing and um yeah and maybe yeah being comfortable is the most important thing because you want to actually make those main events because going through those lcqs is certainly brutal mate you've uh pretty familiar with them um you get more nervous for them than the main events uh oh 100 once you get to the main event it's all fun from there because you know you're getting points you know you're you know you're in the big fight until you're there yeah dude it is stressful <laughs> yeah there's just some brutal moves in those and i'm like oh that, that to me is just the ultimate nightmare the last chance i just can't even imagine what that must be like and think like I mean, just uh, like for this weekend like dude i'm so blessed that i have the talent of starts that is so nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, myself and several hundred thousand races across the planet are feeling exactly that. It is something I never mastered. I mean, you know, I can't even blame my weight because, you know, I'm six foot five. So, you know, there's no, it's not a weight that's the problem. It's just simply slow reactions. And, yeah, I see the likes of you, you and Michael Lessi and people like that who are just always there. And I'm like, how? How do you do that? <laughs> Is it some computer game thing? Is it like some sort of training with the reactions that you're just always on these like I don't know? I, never, I never train starts, I never train reaction. It's just something that's natural. There's a few tips that I've never really told people that I do, but I'll wait for some kind of master class that I'm able to do online or something like that until I give those secrets away. That or I might have to wait after my career so I'm not giving my competitors, <laughs> you know, the secrets. Uh, you know what I mean? So, but yeah. I suppose no, it was, I suppose it was when stupid 
stupid journalist question to ask you what your secret is and let let broadcast the world. So yeah, yeah okay. Apologies. <laughs> no, no, fair game, fair game. But no, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that one tucked in until uh it brings a little bit more value to me. One day. Yeah, damn right, damn right. Yeah, um, it'll be cool to see on the gas gas, mate, because obviously Prado rips them all the time in um MXGP, mate. So maybe that's something. But um, it's pretty, it must be frustrating for people listening to this and other uh, riders hearing you don't actually do much training so it makes it worse for them <laughs> exactly and that's like what i'm excited about is you know eventually once we get to that level and we continue to prove ourselves and an opportunity comes in from a legitimate team i feel like i do have a lot of potential when it comes to just trying to focus and having the good like the the staff around me to make the bike better because everything is just on me at this point. You know, I've worked with my suspension guy, Decker Performance, back home um, a little bit, but, like, he doesn't come to the races. I don't have anybody at the races. I come off in qualifying. I grab the screwdriver. I make the adjustments majority of the time when, you know, like, Roxon or Barsha comes in. They got three dudes on the radio. Hey, I think this, this, and this. All right, let's try this. It's just all for me. It's guessing pretty much. Yeah, fair play. that's pretty awesome. And and moving forward, do you have anything locked in for, for outdoors or um, World Supercross? I think you'd be a great addition to that series if uh, a deal could be made. So have you got anything planned or are you just still working that out? Still working that out. I really don't know what I'm going to do for outdoors. Um, I know I'm going to do one of them or hopefully potentially both of them, World Supercross and outdoors. I don't have anything set in stone for either. Um, but... At least for outdoors right now, I really have no idea. Like I just, I'm down to do it. I want to, you know, run my own little program unless the team's interested in having me more or less. That's something where I would maybe be interested in in joining maybe uh, one of those B-level teams to an extent or at least traveling with one of them uh, and pitting out of the back of it kind of deal because I just don't know how I'm getting my bike around for that because the transport team that I'm a part of for Supercross is not doing outdoors. So it, it's completely up in the air for me for outdoors. I know I plan on probably starting at round three. I know for sure I'm not going to do the first two in California. I've already got prior commitments, and I'm doing Mega Camp, which is going to be in Wichita, Kansas, uh, at Bar to Bar, May 27, 28th, 29th. So it's going to be like a big training school that I did last year. had a lot of fun, so I've already committed to that, and that's over the first round. So then I'm not going to go all the way out to California from Kansas just for one round. So I'll just skip that, get everything ready, and then hopefully meet the boys in uh, Colorado at round three. But, yeah, I got to figure out some kind of transportation system for outdoors before I make that happen too. Yeah, it would be amazing to see on the World Supercross Tour. I mean, uh, yeah, you'd be visiting both of our countries. So, uh, yeah, that would be, that'd be pretty incredible to, to see that because, I mean, until I went to the Cardiff Supercross last year, the, the first World Supercross round they ran um, and saw up close what you guys actually do is just, yeah, it's, it's pretty monstrous. I mean, you talk about Kenny doing that um, that triple onto the table at the, at the weekend. I mean, he did this quad jump in Cardiff and the whole place just went bananas. And it was, yeah. It was absolutely superb. So, yeah, it would be great to see you guys out there. And, uh, yeah, I think you'd definitely be a contender with that sort of three-motor rapid-fire start setup they've got because, uh, yeah, that would be a, a big test of your starting skills. Yeah, that's even what, the, you know, a couple of teams have told me is – it's not quite as technical as in the States. Uh, it's a little bit tamer, but it is. It's the it's about getting a good start and running some good pace there for a short bit kind of deal. And I feel like I got that covered. You know I mean? so we'll, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, obviously with uh, with ourselves uh, doing the uh, WSX, uh, sorry, the, the uh, SMX review, uh, we've got um, – 
championship situation getting closer and closer, although actually, no, it's not in the um, in case of the 450s because uh, Tomac stretched it out a little bit. So, yeah, 11 points now between himself and Webb. Um, do you see, can you see Webb and Sexton coming back from this? How, how, how far down is Sexton? Do we know? Uh, Sexton is now uh, 10 points further back than Webb. So, yeah, he's 21 back. Okay. Mm, that's going to be tough. Uh, the biggest dude. So I was right behind Tomac when he destroyed himself in qualifying this weekend. And I did see that. Yeah. When I, I saw him like get up and like crawl, I was like, "No way, dude!" I was like, "This dude looks rough. Like I don't think he's racing kind of deal. Like obviously he racing. That that man's salvaged right there because that could have been a bad night. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. That'd be that's gonna be tough. Obviously, Coop has the mental mental game that's pretty strong um so it's it's gonna be tomac's championship to lose us put that way yeah he's just so consistent isn't he they just rarely drop points enough for anyone like to get that lead now with only a only a handful of rounds left it's going to be hard to close it in um and what what have you what have you been like your key takeaways from racing these guys you probably learned quite a lot um duking it out with them uh, a little bit, you know, we're obviously working to get to a level like that. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm on Tomax level, but the biggest thing I need to work on, which just comes down to pure riding time and having time to do it is intensity. So, you know, the intensity that those guys have at the beginning of the moto is pretty wild. Um, so that's one thing I want to continue to get better at is coming out firing off the get go instead of like coming out and riding good and kind of riding good the whole time. Like I need to come out a little bit hotter to an extent. So that's the biggest thing I've learned is just the intensity that those guys have right off the rip. And then just obviously those dudes go big. So it's just getting the big lines as soon as you can and qualifying and trying to stick to them all night. Yeah. And obviously with your training, it probably doesn't, it's not, it's so much harder for you to probably make the gains that they, that they, you know, every week they've got everything around them. And, um, you know, you hear them say, it's like, even some of them, I think like a Barsha, like he doesn't even wash his bike. Like you're doing everything and they, all the conditions are there for them to just focus solely on themselves and their riding and their conditioning. So to, to maybe move to a team one day that, like you said, that'd be pretty cool to have the opportunity to do more of yourself and not the outside stuff, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because like those guys, I mean, like I said, thankfully Chris washed my bike, but I had to wait. <laughs> that the stuff set up for as soon as he got done. But we didn't, we didn't finish packing the trailer until almost one a.m. So I didn't get back to the hotel till you know one fifteen. Didn't get showered and packed up to go the next morning, and I didn't get to bed until two two thirty, almost three o'clock. And those dudes come right off, grab their stuff, go back to the hotel. Their team take care of it for them, whatever. They get a good night's sleep, and they're ready to ride or cycle or train the next day. And I'm out here dragging, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you get how that feels for sure, for sure. I mean, it's, it's um with, with with Cooper though, it had to be a bit uh, disconcerting to have Kenny just blitz him and, and disappear in, in the heat race. I thought that was quite scary because Cooper gave it his best. I mean, he, he he went past Kenny and he's just come out after that thing where he said that Kenny. You know, he had that problem on Instagram where Kenny called him shit or whatever, and he said, like, you'll never beat me again. And, uh, you know, and, and then now, yeah, suddenly, even on a Suzuki, you know, Roxon just clears off away from Cooper in the heat race. So that's got to be a bit of a bit of a mental damage, that one, surely, wasn't it? Uh, to an extent, but I don't think, I mean, where is he at in points? He's fourth in points, right? Can you see he's that? Fifth. He's fifth. He's behind Barsha now. Yeah. So what's the points difference points. between Coop and, and uh, Roxon? Uh, Cooper Roxon, yeah, f- uh, 39 points. 
Yeah. So like, I mean, to an extent, I think that would, I think that would mess with him more in the main event, but in the heat race, he's probably just like, all right, you know, Ken's kind of ripping, but we'll get him in the, in the main for him. It's, it's a, I would have to say that if it was Tomac or Sexton that did that to him, that would get in his head a little bit. But at this point, I don't think his mind's even on Roxon. No, fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, you can see obviously he had a quite good uh, race there. And, and Chase um, had uh, had his issues uh, at, at four, although it wasn't really his fault because uh, it was another one of those lovely Bam Bam moments that we all love so much. I mean, <laughs> and it probably has, like you say, 21 points with three round, rounds left to go. That's, uh, that's relying on problems for others now, isn't it? So, um, yeah, what's your take on it? Um, Edward, what do, you, what do you think is, uh, is going to happen in these last three rounds? Oh, sorry, it's hard to, hard to see Tomac losing it, isn't it, mate? Um, but, yeah, you never know. You never know. These things obviously survived that crash. Um, that was a big crash like you saw. Do you? How hard is it to get back from something like that? And Or is it more of a relief, relief to just get away without getting something severely damaged? I thought that he was severely damaged. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> because I rolled up. Like, I didn't see the wreck. I just heard the bike because the bike just stuck wide open. And I rolled up over and I saw him crawling. And immediately I was like... I, I immediately was like, somebody had to do that to him. Like, he wouldn't have done that himself. Like, somebody screwed him over. Somebody's going to be extremely hated, yada, yada, yada. So, like, I didn't know. But as I was rolling up past him, like, he kind of, like, stumbled. Like, crawling, he stumbled crawling. Which, obviously, now I know. I think he hurt his shoulder a little bit in his knee. But, like, when I originally saw it, I was like, bro doesn't even know where he's at. Like, he's, like, I was for sure he was concussed. Because the way he like kind of stumbled at the beginning and then I went past him. He was not going back to his bike. He was just crawling off the track. And I was like, that's not good. Not good. No. And then I saw the video later of him like really, really limping off the track. And so I was like, homie's got his head, his shoulder, his knee, like no shot and comes out and gets second. So I don't know for him. Uh, it's 100% just thankfully it wasn't worse kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, um, is there there is a concussion protocol in there? If he was concussed, it would have been out of the night. Is that right? Uh, so yeah, the, I I don't know how that works within qualifying. There wasn't much time in between qualifying. Um, but yes, if you are suspected of any kind of head injury, you have to specifically take a test before you're able to re-enter the track. So you have to go take a, like a concussion test, which is a computer test. It's like a memory quiz. Uh, and if your results don't match up, then you get clipped. You're not able to race that night kind of deal. So I don't know if he was wow. given that or if they – I mean, now, like after seeing the videos, all I saw was him stumble crawl. And I was like, yeah, yeah. he's done. But I went and obviously I had to qualify, so I was focused on that. After seeing it back, like I'm sure they probably didn't test him. He, they just It was more of his – he just got banged up kind of deal. Yeah. yeah looking, looking down through the results, um, it's looking down, you've beaten Jason Anderson, Jason Anderson and Colt Nichols. Like, in fact, pure factory guys and obviously dudes with a lot more resources, you know, Dino and, and Hill as well, and both of them. And like, but you must sort of look back at that and think that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Like, that's a I, cool achievement. I, yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? Like, it. <laughs> I want it like I want to be super super stoked with it, but obviously that's what conditions can do. It just it stirs up the pot kind of deal. I was stoked that I was able to get a good start, capitalize on the situation, and get it done. So like point situation for me in the championship, moving me to nineteenth, that was huge. The amount of points I got from it, the obviously experience, the exposure, it was a cool situation. But I'm not like overly fanboying on myself for it because 
that's kind of where I need to be. If you know, if I want to continue to do this and continue to get to that next level. Um, so to get it done, hurrah, awesome, sweet, but, uh, it's not, it's not gonna, you know, change my life in a sense. We just have to keep doing that if I want something to change. Have you, have you had a lot of messages from and, and interactions with fellow riders just saying, well done, mate? Or, yeah, and, dude, and the band's yeah. obviously pretty cool. Yeah, fans, yeah, I came off with like 100 messages on my phone. So that was cool. Uh, and yeah, there's a bunch of DMs, a bunch of people tagging me in their stories and posts and stuff like that. But yeah, there were several riders that like just congratulated me. Like, dude, like that's, that's sick. Like conditions are not still seventh is pretty solid. So, uh, so that was cool. Nice one. Right, so we talked about the preview of the 450 class, and now we move, of course, to the main event, uh, the 250s. <laughs> <laughs> the East-West shooter, the best of the best, and the British comes on top. I mean, absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Um, like I said to you before we started the, the recording there, Kevin, I was uh, doing the commentating at a British Championship round, so I was in a tent in a field in Norfolk uh, watching the highlights of the 250s just because I, I, I hadn't seen any results, but I just thought I'll watch the highlights. And uh, it turned out I actually had enough time to watch the main. So I thought, okay, I'll watch the main. I found a, a whole main event video, um, very very poor quality. <laughs> but it wouldn't have mattered because everything was poor quality. Everybody was brown. And, uh, yeah, I was shouting in my tent in the morning at about 7 a.m. going like, yeah. So, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant to see Max. Max Anstey, he's been on this show. He's been absolutely amazing and, uh, yeah, a great interview uh, like yourself. And, yeah, I mean, do you know Max yourself? And, uh, yeah, did you see much of – you said you saw the, the second part of the, the race. Is that right? And, yeah. yeah, which I, I didn't know he was out front, honestly. I just knew that, you know, obviously your your attention just goes to Jet yeah. Hunter because they're in the championship positions. But, uh, no, like that was super sick. And I loved his interview. I do know him a little bit. We obviously – mutually know each other but we're not like super close or anything like that I've talked several times always super nice always gives me you know legitimate um advice like when i ask about certain certain situations or parts on the track and everything but dude like his his interview was one of the best interviews i've heard you know what i mean like him and ap are definitely like a up on top of like my favorite writers to watch and listen to in interviews for sure yeah it was uh, it was brilliant the way he was uh, yeah he was talking there and yeah I love, the, I love the fact that he said like okay that's great I don't, I've qualified now I don't have to do outdoors I thought that was super <laughs> <laughs> dude I thought that was hilarious too to be honest <laughs> Uh, that was amazing and then yeah how about that crazy last uh, corner move from Mr. Hampshire did that get you shouting at the uh, TV there Ed? I didn't know what was going on dude I did, and once I saw the replay I'm like what was he doing dude I was like what was he going for he was going for a, not even a kill shot like a death shot like that what was that what was that I'm just trying uh, to take it out with a wave yeah. <laughs> a bow wave coming off his front wheel <laughs> yeah exactly so I mean I don't know it, it is what it is it's part of racing obviously when it's muddy um, clearly I think that was a bit much but you know stuff happens you know what I mean yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've got to get, uh, pass it over to see what my Australian friend thinks of that move on his favourite man. Yeah, well, you know, there's uh, dis- disciplinary uh, measures probably need to be taken, I'd say. But no, no, no it's, it's all part of it, mate. You know, they, they, they do well. Luck- lucky he was all right. Luckily, they were both all right. Obviously, it didn't work out too well for RJ um, with the AU so struggling with the bike afterwards. And yeah, it was good to see the Aussie guys on the podium again. And they're looking like, you know, getting the championships again. Um, pretty cool. Boland getting fourth, Lopes getting fifth, and yeah, Deegan sixth. 
Deegan actually had the fastest lap time in that race, um, which is quite a cool little cool little figure. Um, what's your takeaways from the 250s, Kevin, aside from the obvious, obvious Anstey winning, which was awesome? Uh, which I was kind of confused how Jet or how Hunter didn't win the uh... – the championship until obviously I saw he, he what he missed it by one point he needed one mm. point that's that's wild uh, he'll be okay but yeah. Uh, yeah that was just I mean I kind of got to think back and I've just watched highlights obviously because the whole time I was watching them I was more focused on like what lines are they taking where do I need to go I wasn't really paying attention to the race and then the select riders um, but. Super, that, I'm stoked for Amax too. Like, no matter mud race or not, like, that is just, that's sick to have that under your belt kind of deal. So, um, that was good. The whole Hunter or the whole Jet and RJ thing was wild. Like, that's just, you love to see it. You know what I mean? You hate to see it, but you love to see it at the same time. One thing, while we're on that uh, subject of that, of that crash, one thing that really impressed me, I don't know if you've seen it as well, and uh, I know you said you got, you got to shoot off soon, but one thing I wanted to ask you, how amazing was it, uh, I find it amazing, uh, that Jet could grab his clutch lever while, was be- while he was being physically turned upside down and still had the presence of mind to keep the engine running whilst being upside down. Did you see that? Yeah, that was impressive. Like, wow. I, feel like my, I feel like my shoulder would pop out if I did something like that. <laughs> so, uh, like, the way he was angled and bent, um, yeah. it's just it's pure instinct right there, which is awesome. That's really cool to see. So, obviously, I, I would have probably done the exact same thing as far as, like, yanking your bike over because if he would have stood it up, he still would have been jammed in, in between his wheel and his frame kind of deal. So, like, that was – it couldn't have went better for him, to be really honest, yeah. like, yeah. the whole situation. No, that's it. And now he's uh, quite a bit ahead in the point standings, whereas uh, RJ was, well, he was th- he was 26 points back. And now, um, yeah, he is, yeah, 39 points back. So, yeah, it's going to happen for, I think it's going to happen for both Lawrence brothers, don't you? Absolutely. And I think that's going to be one of the coolest things ever. Like, dude, could you, like, I talked about this with my brother, like, just being at the top of the sport with your brother is insane. And, like, when they, if they're going to win the East and West title together, like, that is that's unheard of dude that is just that is seriously cool stuff yeah for sure so um, i know you've given us the heads up there that your, uh, your your battery is running down so yeah thank you for for giving us the heads up there so we better um, say cheerio to y- yourself kevin then we'll um we'll uh, take uh, we'll, we'll finish off the show ourselves but um yeah kevin really appreciate having you on board mate it's been superb to uh, to hear your story and uh, yeah hopefully um we'll we'll we might see you in the world supercross in uh, either or both of our countries and uh, yeah go take it from there yeah, that'd be awesome. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, head on over to kevinbrands.com, check it out. And, yeah, I appreciate you guys. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, mate. See you, speak to you again. Take care. See ya. Yeah, massive thanks to Kevin Rounds for coming on board. He's been, uh, yeah, a very entertaining guy. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be checking out his website and, uh, and his stories. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, uh, that 250 main event was just I – was, I was shouting. It was, I must confess, especially when Jet when Jet went sideways out of the penultimate corner, I was – that's it. I was gone. Yes! Oh. <laughs> Anybody yeah! Anybody watching? I thought he was going to get caught, eh? Like, we were – even my wife, um, when we'd done the done – the, podcast um yeah, the, the dog sort of scorched in and um and sort of interrupted us so she got to meet max and we had a little chat and she was like yeah he's, he's a super cool dude we want max to win and um yeah he, his dog was on the floor like playing so we uh had a bit of dog meat but yeah he was a, he's a great bloke and um yeah he's just so good to see him winning and, and he said he just floored that second last corner wasn't it because 
because uh, Jet was uh, he oh. thought he was pretty close. He would, he would have been feeling the pressure, that's for sure. But he, the way he did it, we, we were like you, mate, sort of, even though he wanted the Aussies to win, we were sort of, she was definitely shouting at the screen, the wife saying, yeah, let's, let's get him over the line because he's a good fella. So we yeah, got the result. I think everyone's happy, mate, with that one. Oh, yeah, I mean, the jet was barreling through those whoops, and I was like, oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> seen it so many times. And, uh, yeah, but I, mean, I, I was so busy watching Max across the line, I didn't actually catch the um, uh, the RJ move until I saw the replay. So, uh, yeah, and obviously uh, watched it back on, on better quality TV today. And, uh, yeah, because it, it was awful from where I was. The signal was terrible. You could barely yeah. see anything. Peel yeah, the <laughs> He certainly threw it in there, didn't he? Um, I suppose he's like he might, he mustn't have been that far off. He might have even, you know, had ambitions of winning at that point. You don't know what was going through his mind, but I think he was just yeah, just got a bit excited. The adrenaline, um, yeah, you never know. The, sort of these guys, it's good to see someone else win as well because you know he saw what happened with AP, which was which was sad. And obviously, yeah, you know, he had had a, you know because the established sort of guys usually are winning these things. And it was good for Barsha and especially for Anstey because with with so many elite dudes, you just never know when you're going to get a chance again but you know it might might propel him to pretty amazing things obviously next year it might be some more on the cards everything will even up in that 250 class a bit we don't know what hunter and jet are doing we know jet's definitely sorry we know jet's definitely going 450 but hunter might be following suit so it'll be make for some pretty mega racing in those 250 classes so we might get a nice spread of your deegan smiths thrashers shimoda's anstey's it'll be fun mate maybe even lopes mumford um you never know, Boland. They could all get one, couldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is wide open. Now. I think for for next season, it, the two fifty class looks very good. It'd be interesting to see if Austin Fortner comes back uh, mm. as, as strong as he was. Um, because, well, uh, as strong as he can be because we know he's got so much quality there uh, but yeah the years of injury are now ticking by and of course yeah. um, Jeremy Martin hurting himself again is uh, is really bad news yeah. especially for uh, where he is in his career um, you know really should have been on a 450 by now anyway and uh, and still not so uh, to be hurt for him again is a, a real sad story we do wish Jeremy yeah, all the best uh, in his recovery um, one thing to, to highlight as well is the fact that it's the, um, the first podium in the 250s that um, has no Americans on it for a long, long time. Yeah. And then all Hondas as well, which is pretty cool. Yes, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did actually start some research on this and uh, I've, my, my computer's just let me down here. <laughs> <laughs> while you while you look it up, just a big shout out to Enzo. I've um, spoken to him uh, in the last few months, and super happy guy. Really grateful for his opportunity, and it's good good to see him sort of building on that good work he's done, especially last year. And he's super fast. He's obviously had a few issues with starts, but um, that elusive podiums um, definitely, hopefully, on the way. But he's actually moved into third in the standings in his class. So yeah. you know, it's pretty pretty impressive effort, sort of quietly going about his business the last few rounds. Um, not getting the starts he showed his speed coming through factory guys regularly and there's talk of him maybe getting a ride for next year i know he's he might be going world supercross too which is a bit difficult with some of those american teams that obviously want you to do outdoors but um talents there maybe something like a star racing deal you never know just because like guys like uh have been known to do supercross 
only, but it's probably a little bit uh, challenging in the landscape over there. But what's your take on Enzo? Yeah, I mean, Enzo's a solid, solid rider. And, and yes, yeah, uh, obviously, Levi had a, a terrible day, uh, which is why um, Enzo went past him in the, in the points. Yeah. Um, and yeah, which is a, a shame for Levi, but yeah, Enzo thoroughly deserves it. Um, he's got a great following. Uh, I love the fact yeah. that every time you mention his name, we get the Brazilian flags and the fire logos coming through on MX Vice, which is great to see. And uh, <laughs> the phone flashing three more Brazilian flags and fire emojis. <laughs> oh, there's another three coming, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and that's great. Yeah, stuff like that is great for sport. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, and uh, to see him up there in third, and like I say, we got Jet. Uh, RJ re-signed to deal with Husqvarna. I wasn't totally clear if it was 250 or 450. Uh, is, there, is, there, is there a description? Yeah, I believe mostly. I believe some people are saying mostly 250, but, yeah, it's um, yeah, we're interested to see what, what happens if he, you know, because obviously that team's decimated with injuries, but, yeah, they, he'd probably be gunning for some titles because he's been in that class for a while. He'll probably want to get something done with, especially with those potentially both of the Lawrence guys going out. It could, he could definitely get in the mix. And then we haven't even mentioned guys like McAdoo as well is obviously another guy that's suffered misfortune. So yeah, once everyone's fit in that class, it's going to be quite staggering, isn't it, mate? And it's good yeah. in America. They have that opportunity to, to really um, yeah, stay in the 250 class and make an excellent living as well. There's no age rule. There's heaps of factory teams. There's, you know, there's no shortage of rides if you prove yourself, is there? So you definitely think, like we were saying, Enzo's definitely on the first on the list at this point. Yeah, definitely. He'll be on the shopping list because, uh, yeah, he's, he's right up there. I mean, yeah, third in the series is, is looking great. And, yeah, many established names behind him, like you say, Kitchen, Boland, uh, McAdoo and Oldenburg are the next four people behind him in, in the uh, in the, in the standings. So, um, yeah, and Enzo thoroughly deserves to, to, to get a good ride for, for the next year and, and move on from there. So, fingers crossed. Just had a quick question for you, Ben. Have we got Anstey for second in the championship, uh, passing Deegan? He's obviously only one point off. Um, thoughts on that? Oh, um, I'd, I'd like to say so. Um, you know, <laughs> we were both born on this particular island. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to say that, uh, yeah, Max would do it. I certainly would be very happy to see that. Hayden Deegan's going to get there. We know we know he's going to get there over the years. I'm sure he could let uh, Max have a nice, brighter colour medal at the end of the season. I'm sure we'll have a problem with that. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, he's looked good. And there's obviously really cool international flavour in, in America at the moment. And what's your take on Vial's um, season? Obviously, it started, you know, really well and it's sort of tailed off a little bit in the last couple. Um, just, I think he's just looking for outdoors now, isn't he? Just get through the season and focus on that. Well, yeah, I mean, this is what... Um uh, what's messed up my um, uh, my research a little bit because when Vial started looking really good at the opening rounds, I started looking into um, how long ago these uh, this all non American podium was happening because I thought, well, Vial, Hunter, and Max between them, they're going to be there second or third round, and it's amazed me that it's taken this long uh, for it to happen. So yeah, Tom doesn't appear to have moved forward, which has surprised me. But I think it's the kind of thing he had a big crash at Daytona that I think knocked his progress when that would have been one where he was expecting to do well. Um, so I, I think with, with Tom Vial, he's a quality rider. Uh, he's mentally very strong, uh, as we saw uh, in, in MX2 with, with uh, his battles uh, with Yago Hirtz. But um, Supercross has been the bane of many rookies uh, into America, uh, even if they're top quality uh, GP racers. Mm. So uh, I personally would have preferred him to have um, held back and, and gone like nationals only the first year. 
I, I think that would be a, a better better option. Um, certainly, I've, I've heard other riders say that they wish they'd done something similar. Um, but hey, you know he's done what he's done, and, and you, you've got to say Supercross, you've eventually got to get there anyway. So for him to jump in, he has not been disgraced. He's not disgraced himself. No, that's sure. Um, I just hope that it hasn't hurt him or his confidence to really affect a championship that I thought he would have had a really good chance in, which is the outdoor 250 crown. Yeah, he's looking pretty good for that if he can, um, yeah, it's just getting through unscathed, isn't it? Because he had some pretty nasty ones and fingers crossed he's um, obviously probably got pretty banged up from him and that's probably not helping either. But uh, yeah, the, the intimidation factor with Supercross, it just must be immense after doing motocross most of his life, really. So to, to yeah, get through the last couple and see how he goes and that's sort of what we'll be looking for, like you said. And um, another one, Shimoda, who uh, he's, he's getting back. Obviously, didn't have the night he wanted, probably the conditions. Uh, yeah, they they obviously played their part with a lot of things. But his first race back was pretty damn good. And looking forward to him to be a title contender outdoors, even though we're, we're sort of looking ahead, mate. But it'd be good to see him. It's just good to see him ride, isn't he? He's a great rider to watch, really quite precise, um, really yeah. smooth. Knows what he's doing. And, um, yeah, fingers crossed we'll be getting to have a chat to him soon. And, just a really humble guy, and it's it's pretty cool listening to him say stuff like he's not like absolutely motocross is my complete life. It's not my be all and end all. He's just so good at it. He's like, yeah, he's pretty relaxed about his career. So, um, but deep down, I think he'll be wanting to stamp his mark in the last couple heading into outdoors. Your take on Joe? Um, yeah, um, love love Joe Shimoda. I think it's it's great to see um, uh, see a Japanese rider up there. It's been so long since they've had anybody uh, at real top world class level. So yeah, it's uh, I always find that fantastic. Especially you know you consider that uh, Japanese bikes have dominated the sport for most of the last fifty years. Um, then yeah, for 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 them to not have a a major rider at the front end for so long, apart from what well, their only uh, world champion was Akira Watanabe in 1978. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty insane. But um, yeah, for Joe to get up there is great. And uh, and it was his first ever heat race victory uh, mm. in a Supercross. So that was, yeah. that was really cool for him to tick that box, which is good. I think, uh, yeah, they, they've now got uh, two more. Uh, yeah, two more races of the uh, East ones, guys of the East guys with Nashville coming up next, uh, and then they skip Denver, uh, and then they uh, all meet up at Salt Lake, all meet up again at Salt Lake City. So, um, I think Joe might have a win in him. I think uh, if uh, one of the Lawrence's, um, I mean, which uh, yes, a Hunter can can win just by showing up next week. Um, so you know, I think if <laughs> I think Joe is, um, if if Joe pushes his good mate Hunter to. Um, a bit of a leveler and of course he's uh, also of course got the uh, MX Vice booking blessing as well you know we, mm. we, uh, we, we, <laughs> we booked Levi and he got on the podium uh, we yes. booked uh, Moran's and he got his career best and uh, you know we booked Joe and for a Supercross win this weekend I'd say then he goes and talks to us next Tuesday <laughs> yeah mate good timing obviously we had Styles last week he was injured so he didn't race so we had nothing to do with that but um, yeah. he was a ripper interview Styles um, yeah it was good to see the feedback it was nice and positive from that one um, having had lots of laughs he was, he's a good young kid and we um, hope to see him in France at the Nations with that uh, tricolour hair yes. uh, at some point as well mate hopefully we're all there as well but yeah, yes. he, he, he should be there as a fan supporting um, Guillaume Farris hopefully <laughs> Team speed, team speed. <laughs> if um, if Styles turns up and his head isn't shaved, I am taking a razor. So yeah. I'm yeah. going to do it for him. I don't care. He's getting it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you've got you're on the duties, mate. Definitely. So yes. what, what are you um, just closing thoughts on the? Oh, we didn't really get your 
complete opinion on the 450s. Um, you think there's any way Tomac doesn't get it done, mate? Any any um, situations, or he, he goes fully into manage mode after that crash and just squeaks it out? He just he just knows what he has to do to get it done. He's he's sort of superior, isn't he, this year? Just yeah, 11, 11 points. He could be second every race, even if Cooper wins all three, and it's his. That sounds more simple than it uh, than it is, of course. But um, I, I don't see the main reason why I was saying about Cooper is that he was the last rider on the lead lap, by the way, which is pretty impressive that they lapped up to fifth place. Um, yeah, or was it even fourth? They got. I think to. he got lapped. Yeah, he did get lapped. That's right. You see, that's yeah. right. Because it was only, yeah, it was only uh, apart from the podium guys, it was just Sexton on the lead lap, which is pretty insane. Um, so for him yeah. to be lapped, uh, especially after letting Kenny get away from him. I know it was only a heat race, but, you know, I, yeah. I don't think he ever wants Kenny to, to beat him. I mean, I know what Kevin was saying, that it was just a heat race. He probably let him go, but he had to let him go because he wasn't yeah. passing. Um, yeah. so, and that, that must not be uh, not be a good thing for, for his confidence with the last few I rounds. Think, I think it was, on, it was either on the TV or another outlet um, did an interview with Barsha, and they said if he's leading at the, the final round and... Um, they say let Webb through. He's like, oh, man, I'm winning. I'm going for it. I'm going straight for that victory. <laughs> so we, if it comes down to that, we see our, see our Barsha and Webb go with that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, and also we haven't really um, spoken Justin's name that much in this pod, in this podcast. So I think we need to just uh, perhaps close out with uh, acknowledging Mr. Barsha that uh, this sort of born-again squeaky clean image. Don't buy it at all. Wiped out Sexton, nearly wiped out Rocks. And I mean, you know, but the win was on the line. Gotta say, he, I'm not his biggest fan because I would hate to race him. Uh, I, I don't like argy bargy stuff. That's just me. I'm an old fashioned English person. Um, but, uh, you know, but with uh, with Barsha, he's a character. Uh, he's box office, if you like to say. And it was great to see him take that win because, I mean, I th- you know, he's been at this a long time. So, yep. you know, I think there's about sort of 10 or 11 years gap between his first win and now his mm. most recent one. So uh, the, that, that's uh, full respect to anybody who can maintain that level of career to this to this level especially in in such horrendous conditions like that yeah he's had his ups and downs over the years that's for sure but he's yeah he looks like he's in a really good place he's obviously going to be uh the gas gas team for another couple of years signed that extension um he's definitely this has definitely been coming there's no doubt about it his form since probably daytona's just yeah he's been pretty lights out he's just racking off podiums and great results and great rides and the speed's there and obviously he um he showed he had the big balls to attack that track pretty hard on the weekend, mate. He uh, he doesn't doesn't cheat you for effort, does he? He's all he's all in, and he's clearly in a good space. He's got the family, another one that's become a dad, and his um his wife's British, so there's the connect there, mate. Yes, um, yeah. yeah, he's he's just looking great, isn't he? You can't really fold his performances of late, and maybe if he can carry it into next season, it'd be kind of cool. Um, throw himself in the mix, depending on what Tomac does. He's a bit of a dark horse for the for the title, even. I think he's a threat for the outdoor title this year. I think he really is. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's strong outdoors. Uh, it depends on on what happens between Chase and Eli, uh, and yeah, there's so many contenders and in that. And, and Jet, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jet's on there. <laughs> Don't forget the Jet, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah so make sure, <laughs> sure of that one. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bosch could be a contender for that. And um, I, I dare say as well, the Nations, because he loves doing yeah. that event. He was at Rene the last time. He got yep. beaten by Fevre. 
boy's got unfinished business and he has no problem at all in spoiling a party, especially if it's a French one on the home turf because they had a big one when they won at Erne. And for yeah. sure, Barsha would love to carry the number one plate. Or, or three, if he must. I don't think he'd be on a 250. So one or three, I'm sure they'll uh, wear one or the other and uh, try and, um, uh, yeah, spoil the French party. That would yeah, be, it'd be good. To, definitely good to see him over there. It's, there's obviously heavy competition for the for those spots. Um, but yeah, he he'd always he brings a lot of flavour and a, a lot of these characters just great for any event, but especially sort of elevates something like that to have him there. And there was obviously talk of him going on the two fifty uh, for last last year's Nations. Uh, obviously, Cooper ended up getting that. Um, but yeah, he, he wasn't he wasn't where he wanted to be last year in, in outdoors. Obviously, um, I think the year before he had that Southwick win, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he was impressive there. He's obviously good there, local kind of area to him. But yeah, I expect he'll be wanting more. It looks like everything's sort of aligning really well for him at the moment, and it's sort of hard to see his momentum wavering at the moment. If you know he hasn't he hasn't been too you know the crashes have been relatively minimal and minor. So he's obviously done his fair share of hitting other people, but um, so far so good for him, mate. It's a, come into the rest of the season. Do you reckon he can hold off Kenny for that position in the points? Um, six points between them. I don't know. It's all on the starts, really. Kenny seems to be getting a bit better, but then so does Barsha. So um, I think I'll... I would like Barsha, uh, Kenny to take fourth, uh, but I yep. think Barsha will keep it. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it'd be good. be pretty cool for, for both of those guys, obviously. The, the top five's been impressive, beating, beating Jason Anderson, which his season hasn't gone to plan. But I'm looking forward to Roxon outdoors on the Suzuki. Um, yeah. yeah. I think we could see some pretty some pretty epic battles. He obviously won one, won an overall last year, I believe it was at Thunder Valley when Sexton crashed late, uh, yeah. sadly, which has been a bit of a nasty theme for him. But, yeah, that outdoors title is looking really good in both classes, isn't it, mate? But um, oh, yeah, it's you expect Jason Anderson to play a bit of a part too. Obviously got his outdoor win at uh, Hangtown there last year. Do you expect some uptick in performance or do you think he's he's sort of on the, on the decline? I just don't see a spark at the moment from Jason Anderson, sadly. I mean, yeah, he's just had a baby and, um, yeah, he was looking good uh, – uh, in Atlanta um, before he had his problems and then um, yeah he obviously sort of faded out uh, in, uh, in New Jersey so I don't know I, I think if it's all on momentum for Jason Anderson so you know he, he might sort of get a bit of a buzz off of having a new kid and then uh, start to feel it a little bit for outdoors but at the moment I've not seen that he he, seemed, he just hasn't got the spark he had at this time last season when he was rattling off the winds, uh, trying to trying to catch Eli. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if we've seen the best from Jason Anderson, and, and if we will see it again, I really don't know. Yeah, it's been a definitely not a great weekend for the Cowie boys, the factory guys, obviously AC. Oh, um, AC and, and, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just so so. so it's, I think he's hopefully he's going to be all right for the last few um and maybe he's a very good outdoor rider. Obviously, you remember back to those battles with Zacco um, a few years back. He certainly uh, held his own, and he's such a good rider, so so skilled and so much bike skill and um, the way he handles himself. He's, he's great for the sport to have him fit and healthy, so hopefully we can we can get him going in the right direction for the rest of the year and no more mishaps. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, always want to see Cienciarotto do well. Uh, such a nice, such a good character and so, so good for the sport, and same for Aaron, Aaron Plessinger as well. Mm. Um, that's how badly her he is but uh yeah hopefully he'll be back um uh, and uh, back to full fitness uh, very soon so yeah we better start wrapping things up mate because we're getting uh, a bit on the, the the longer side of the uh the, the what's it here but uh of the podcast yep. but uh also a quick shout out to um jack chambers the american who um 
uh, I saw race personally at uh, the British Championship the weekend just gone and uh, was eventually granted the overall win and uh, for that full story then you can tune into the uh, Great British Motocross podcast which we will record uh, later this week but uh, yeah he was did eventually get the win which um, was, was pretty cool and uh, sadly though he didn't get the, the trophy at the right time but that's that's another matter but uh, uh, yeah anyway just better thank our, our sponsors there and if you got any our last words things that you haven't said yet oh, I was just going to ask you I'm seeing Chambers in the flesh obviously we, we couldn't watch it the live stream wasn't up and running for this one but moving forward the American listeners should be able to hopefully watch him doing the british uh, on the on the stream when that when that's up and running but what were your sort of thoughts on his riding obviously he's a very talented rider uh, pretty cool good fun to watch what were your sort of sort of takeaways looking at that race yeah very quick um very stylish great uh, great looking ride on the bike and um there weren't too many jumps um within my vision from my commentary point um it's a very strange circuit to cover that 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 uh, Cadders Hill circuit um but yeah he's got great star on a bike uh, he can certainly throw it around and what I liked was that uh, the, the second race which he was eventually granted the win uh, for because there were red flag complications but uh, what he did uh, eventually do was that he dug in he worked hard it was raining it was minging it was horrible old English conditions um, and he just tufted out on a soft sandyish circuit and ground out the win he really did you know he ground out gifting who's a proven grand prix runner um bobby bruce is probably the best british rider on a 250 right now and uh, yeah he churned his way through both of those and um yeah was was on for the win even when it was stopped um and uh yeah thankfully they yeah, got the count back right in the end and uh, granted him the overall win which he thought he deserved so yeah, he impressed me Short, short answer is he impressed me. <laughs> yeah, it would have been awesome to see, mate. And heading into, heading into Portugal and Spain coming up, uh, we'll be eagerly um, watching how he fares. So, yeah, it's been great being on this pod with you again, mate. We've had, uh, had a great guest with Kevin. He gave us plenty of brilliant insight into his program, into the racing, into just the sheer amount of work that he has to do every week to, to go racing. It was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, really, uh, really good to see that from Kevin Morans. And uh, who knows, that could well be the future uh, of uh, privateer racing uh, in this uh, digital world. You know, you, t- you take the best that you can and turn it into a business. Um, and rather than work an extra job to get the, the money in, he works those hours towards getting the money in for his racing in that way. So, yeah, I think that's just, yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's, uh, as he said, he loves it. And I think you've got to be that mentality that you love that business. That sounds horrendous to me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I've spent the last 20 years trying to sell cars so I'm well used now I, I hate the sound of rejection when I'm asking someone for money so you know maybe I've just gone past that but there we go <laughs> so uh, yeah um, we've got other people to help us through that at MX Vice so yeah thanks to all the people that do help us Golf Base Fuels uh, of course uh, AS3 Performance uh, Kawasaki Motors UK uh, and of course yeah don't forget to go to evenstrokes.com with the uh, Brad Wheeler 10 uh, discount code to get yourself some help there uh, I am going to edit this podcast and at the end of it there will be uh, a section now where we must stand and salute uh, for the national anthem in honour of Max Anstey I am going to play the great British national anthem to salute our great British rider who took a fantastic win and I think um, I might be proven wrong on this but I think he's actually the first English Supercross winner because uh, Dean Wilson I think obviously is Scottish and I don't think there's been another Englishman who has won any Englishman who has won a Supercross before now so uh, that's one for uh, for the history books there for Max so on that note goodbye my Australian friend <laughs> See you, mate. thanks for having us and all the best for the rest of the week
Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thanks to everybody for tuning in to the MX Vice podcast. Take care and speak to you again on the MX Vice SMX Review Show. 